Welcome back, everyone. We are now on episode five of Grounds and Leaves Theology. Just want to say thank you to those of you who reached out to us and shared some feedback on our last episode about spiritual gifts. Uh, a couple of you told us that it was your favorite episode mm-hmm. thus far, so we're uh, very happy we've uh, been able to pr- provide this good content for you. And I really do think we have another exciting topic in the lineup for today. Yeah, so today's topic is a little bit different than our usual topics. Hmm. So I have always liked to listen to true crime. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) And something that I've listened to a lot of in true crime is things about cults. Yes. So today we're going to be exploring and uncovering cults and what some common traits of them are and what most true crime podcasts do not do is give a christian viewpoint right so we're going to explore that as well and how to talk to cult members or ex-cult members um Mm. so yeah it's going to be an interesting topic today i feel like it could be a long episode yeah but (laughs) we are going to dive in All right, so let's start with the basic step that we like to take with every episode and Mm -hmm. define exactly what a cult is. Because I feel like when people think of cults, they think of satanic, human sacrifices, Mm -hmm. all this craziness, which there are some of those, but that's not what we're going to be attacking today. Yeah, that's mostly the old cult. So slight different. True, true. (laughs) So what is the definition of a cult. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because if you Google that question, you'll get quite a few different answers. And, oh, okay. and some of them really do just reflect people's bias of mm-hmm. how they perceive different cults. But essentially, you can define a cult as when a certain group, typically of somewhat smaller size, uh, has this special devotion to a particular object or figure person, right? Um, And then along with that also, they typically claim to have this special kind of knowledge, maybe secret knowledge that only they have access to, and therefore you need to go to them in order to receive this knowledge and thus be saved. So those are kind of some general working ideas that go into what makes a cult. Interestingly enough, Christianity a, a lot of times has been thought of as a cult. And yeah, I was going to bring that up because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would think that Christianity is a cult. Yeah, so there are a couple distinctions, but I mean, even in scripture, it was originally called a sect, a sect called the way, and it only became kind of, if you want to put it this way, a more formal religion later. But in terms of some differences between cult and then Christianity, Number one, Christianity has stood the test of time, Mm. right? Whereas a lot of cults will die out after a short period. The knowledge it has isn't secret. Like the gospel message we preach for salvation, open to all. Mm. Like you don't have to go to a particular figure like or a specific object in order to receive that knowledge. In yeah, order to be or saved. do or do something specific, which we'll get into more when we talk about the common traits. Right. But yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so those are a couple of differences definitely want to highlight. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. All right, so you had wanted to talk about the connection of cults to older heresies. So why don't you yeah. dive into that with us? <laughs> yeah, so a heresy, first of all, is a teaching that subverts the true gospel of scripture. So it uh, teaches contrary things and leads people astray in that manner. So when you look at modern day deceptions or modern day uh, teachings that deviate from the true teaching of scripture, there's nothing new under the sun. That principle stands true for a lot of things and this is one of them too. So if you go back in history, like this idea of secret knowledge, that originally could be defined as a heresy known as Gnosticism. So, okay. uh, which you could argue is even the first heresy that the church had to deal with. And so Gnosticism has a few tenets. One of them is saying that the spiritual is good, but the material is evil. And so because of that, they twisted their view of Jesus because they would say, you know, Jesus, they couldn't imagine the idea of the spiritual God taking on a human body because the material world is evil to them. Mm. And so, uh, for example, a subsect of Gnosticism is something called Docetism, which essentially held that Jesus wasn't actually human. He just seemed to be, right? This idea. Okay. And so uh, that's one of the ideas. And you, you can see this parallel of the spiritual elevated over the material, even in modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses who will argue for a spiritual resurrection, not just of us, but also of Jesus. So Jesus' resurrection to the Jehovah's Witnesses is really his recreation as a spirit being, because they also believe he's the Mi archangel Michael. And so you see the continuance of that today. And then uh, Gnosticism, the name comes from the Greek word gnosis, or knowledge. And so, again, it has this idea that they have secret knowledge that you need in order to be saved. So when you see a, a cult make that same claim, it's nothing new. It's all mm -hmm. been tried and done before. Yeah, okay. And then also, I think I blanked on a more obvious connection of the Jehovah's Witnesses to earlier heresies, and that's the heresy that used to be known as Arianism, taught by a man named Arius. So that's where it gets its name from. But it's a heresy that was condemned at the Council of Nicaea that taught that Jesus was a created being, which mm. JWs also do say. So again, centuries old, Satan doesn't have any new tricks. Mm, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to dive into common traits of a cult. And there's a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> And these are things that I've noticed while listening to different true crime podcasts mm. and also while doing some research for this episode, watching documentaries. So, yeah, let's dive into that. Sure thing. So, first of all, the way that cults kind of start reeling you in is they do use biblical language. Yeah. So, they'll they'll say that we're following Jesus and God and we have these, sometimes they even say that they have these Christian values. So people get fooled by uh, thinking that they just have this Christian-like religion. Right. 
And I mean, Satan doesn't actually create anything. He makes counterfeits. Mm. And that's, so that's why you see them taking the figure of Jesus or the words of scripture and then using them for their own game. Because Satan can't come up with anything on his own. So mm. he just takes what uh, God has made and what God has said and then corrupts and twists it. Mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just for one example of how this can kind of work itself out is I had a teacher in high school who was a Mormon. Mm. I didn't know that when I first started uh, attending her classes, but there was one time where, according to my own conviction, I opted out of doing yoga in the class mm. one time, and so, so did my one friend, who was, uh, well, at least a professing Christian at the time <laughs> with me. And she asked us why, and why we wanted to do that, why we or didn't want to participate, and so we said, like, we are Christians, and she's like, well, what kind of Christians are you? And quite honestly, that question really threw us off. I'm like, oh, yeah. like what, do, what do you say to that? So we just said, Pro we're Protestants. <laughs> like, that was yeah. the best answer we could come up with the, at the time. And she's like, oh, so Protestants don't practice yoga? And we're like, well, this is, like, our, our conviction. We just kind of explained it a little more. And then at the end, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Well, I'm a Christian too, you know, Ten Commandments, Jesus is God, all that is kind of how she uh, put it. Mm. So as a Mormon, she's saying Jesus is God, right? Mm -hmm. Which, of course, sounds like Christian language. Yeah. But when you dive a little deeper and go under the surface, it means something completely different than what we as uh, Christians would hold to be the reality mm -hmm. behind that statement. Because in Mormon theology... There are multiple gods. Oh yes, and right. you right, and you become the gods. Like even yeah. God the Father, at one point, was a man himself and became a god in his own right. So there's a saying uh, in Mormonism. I'm trying to remember exactly how it's phrased. I think it goes, "As man is, God once was; mm. as God now is, man may become." Oh yeah, I think I've heard that. Right, and so sure, you can say God the Father, Jesus is God all that but they don't mean god from eternity past yeah they mean he essentially worked his way up there yeah so like it means less in mormonism because everyone can become a god yeah absolutely and mm -hmm. have their own well, planets and spiritual children every man well yeah that's true <laughs> uh so yeah so even if someone says says to you like i'm a christian or jesus is god i believe in the trinity like they can use this language, but they tend to mean something completely mm -hmm. different by that. So it's important to not let their statements just stand on the surface, but dive deeper. Like, okay, well, what do you actually mean by that? Yeah, like I've come across a lot of people working in like a secular workplace and like mm. working in a hotel. There's a lot of people coming through yeah, and they'll say like, oh, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's interesting though that she introduced herself as a christian yeah. and not oh i'm a mormon right well mormons think they're christians okay uh, and they do like they want to be but they wouldn't they wouldn't identify as mormon they would rather identify as christian like i think they're rather interchangeable maybe they also want to use the longer title of i'm a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints <laughs> but that's kind of a mouthful to say true right um and so of course, originally, and I don't know 
how strictly all Mormons today hold to this, but they like believe that they are the true church of Jesus Christ, right? Mm. To the exclusion of others. True, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they would probably say they're the true Christian. or true. Or maybe some Mormons would opt more today for saying they're Christians and that they don't believe they should be excluded from the body of believers known as Christians. So I'm not saying they necessarily prefer that identifier, but yeah, that's uh, one way you see them trying to either declare themselves as or the real deal or s saying, don't exclude us. We're actually on the same team when in reality we have very irreconcilable beliefs. Okay, mm yeah. So we just briefly touched on this already, but another common trait amongst cults, of course, is that they claim to be the only true church, which yeah. makes sense because if you're following a belief, then you obviously believe that it's the truth. Right. And so, I mean, obviously as Christians, Christians also claim to be exclusive, right? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. So there's only one way to, to the Father, and we do... Uh, stand on that but there are at least a couple crucial differences with the way that cults claim to be the only true church okay uh, yeah. uh, number one is they disconnect themselves from the church throughout history mm. sometimes at least like with mormonism this is true it, uh, it was a belief held by joseph smith and his followers that the entire church had apostatized mm. they had fallen away from faith and that's what necessitated the creation of the mormon church but to say that the entire church had fallen away would run against or go against what Christ said, that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, that he would always be with his followers to the end of the age. And so I'm not sure exactly what point in history they uh, put that great apostasy in, but there has never been a time in history where God has not had a remnant of his followers, those who has, he has saved by grace, even if it's a small number, like with Elijah, the 7,000 who had not kissed Baal, there has never been a time where God has not preserved a remnant of his people. And to say, so to say that the entire church before Joseph Smith apostatized is just wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so by disconnecting themselves from the church throughout history, they show their true colors and they have no real claim to be by the body of believers that Jesus Christ established. Mm. And so the other difference, again, comes with this whole claim to secret knowledge, right? It's not They're not just saying, like, we're the true church because they follow the one way to the Father. They're saying you actually have to follow this prophet and learn from him in order to mm -hmm. be saved, and it's not uh, Jesus yeah. that they say, right? And so those are two very distinct differences between the Christian claim to have an exclusive gospel and then the cults claim to be the only true church yeah cults are usually more exclusive right i i've noticed <laughs> yeah no that's true and so like one reason one of the reasons the groups tend to be smaller and very mm -hmm. localized they're yeah they're generally very local too yeah like so it's in, not geographically yeah so it's not the fulfillment of christ sending out his witnesses to the mm -hmm. nations yeah mm -hmm. for sure so another commonality between cults is they are very works-based. Indeed. You have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do the other thing mm -hmm. in order to earn your place in heaven. That's right. Or at least 
the higher tier of heaven. Yes, yes. <laughs> in the case of Mormonism, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is really true, not just of cults, but anything that isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Everything. That, yeah, true. Like every other religion, too, is uh, works-based. Even, and, even people who identify as like just non-religious, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, I just have to act like a good person. Yeah, so it's like... And then I'll be fine. So yeah, they find so, their assurance in believing that they're not monsters morally, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a Christian finds their assurance in acknowledging that they are a monster morally, but yeah, that God true. still in his mercy uh, chose to save them through dying for them. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, with cults, it's essentially, you know, work to earn your place. And so there's a lot of fear of that fear is like oh i just haven't done enough and so mm-hmm. it, it's really robs them of joy because they just have to keep working and working and it yeah. never yeah. is enough right fear is a big thing and we'll touch on it more in depth later but fear is a big thing in cults no, huge 100 percent. so you've mentioned uh the mormon it's already who if you uh do all your uh duties and you follow the rules, then you can earn a place in the celestial tier of heaven. And like there's celestial, terrestrial, telestial, and then hell. So I think they have like four different levels. Okay. And hell is only for like the devil and apostates, I think. So very few actually go there. Oh. Um, but nevertheless, so yeah, your place in heaven is based on your works. And then also in Jehovah Witness theology which may have changed over the course of the years, as cult theology often does. Mm, Um, But at least originally, the idea was to be saved, you have to be like a member of this group of 144,000 witnesses, uh, which I think they've kind of changed that now since the group has expanded to well beyond Mm. that number. But now it's, okay, you have to do your duties exceptionally well. You know, attend Kingdom Hall meetings, listen to what the Watchtower Society uh, tells you, and their idea of salvation is if you are an exceptionally good witness and you do all this, you will be you will be able to survive Armageddon, is kind of how they uh, define salvation in that way. But once mm-hmm. again, it's 100% based on works. Yeah. So, yeah, again, common to not just all cults, but everything that is in the gospel. Yeah. Okay, now this is a really big one, and this is what causes the majority of problems within a cult. Mm -hmm. And that is one man who identifies themselves as a prophet of God or hearing from God Mm -hmm. is the one who is telling the people what they need to do. Right. So he claims oh, I know everything wrong or right. Everything I say is from God. Yeah. And that's where we run into big problems. Yeah, 100%. I mean, of course we have pastors and we want to listen to them and respect the authority that they have according to the position mm-hmm. that God oh, yeah, has ordained, sure. right? But the difference is we don't consider them infallible, mm-hmm. like yeah. unable to make an error. Yeah. We, we do... Like, we do question them. And Mm -hmm. that's the main thing in these cults is you are not allowed to question the prophet. Yeah. Or the person in charge. Like, what they say is right and you are sinning if you question it. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, completely unbiblical. Sometimes they'll take this uh, one verse, like, do not touch the Lord's anointed, as a means of saying you can't question the prophet, because that would be touching the Lord's anointed or mm. harming them. Uh, but, I mean, in context, I believe that's David uh, telling his servants to not kill King Saul, who's persecuting him, oh, <laughs> because yeah. uh, Saul has been anointed to that position by God, despite mm -hmm. his sin. So, a uh, very different context. It's yeah. about not murdering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not about questioning someone's mm -hmm. authority, right? And I mean, the classic exa example from Acts 17 is in this group of people called the Bereans, who when Paul preaches to them, they examine the scriptures every day to see mm -hmm. if the things that he are saying is true. And mm -hmm. so that's the attitude really all Christians should have. We, When we have someone teaching us and claiming to speak for God, we must examine the scriptures to yeah. see if what they say is yeah. actually true. I remember being encouraged, like all growing up, check the scripture, check what you're learning with the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And like constant refrain throughout scriptures, like test all things, beloved, do not mm -hmm. believe every spirit. Like it, it's uh, pounded home mm -hmm. again and again. And I think that's the big difference too, is um, pastors do preach from the scripture yeah. These prophets of the cults are like, God told me this to mm -hmm. tell you. Right. Like in the one documentary that I watched, it was on the fundamentalist branch of Mormons. Yeah. The FLDS. And... As if the original title wasn't long enough already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah, if you questioned the prophet, you, well, you just didn't. They just didn't. Right. Like. Yeah. It, it's just unthinkable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if there is someone claiming that he is, that his authority is unquestionable, you automatically have a problem. Yes. So run away. <laughs> <laughs> run away. Fast. <laughs> like with the FLDS. Mm-hmm. It was to the point where the prophet told you who you could or could not marry. Mm -hmm. And it was often himself. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was often himself that the girls were to get married to. Mm -hmm. And also, if there was rebellious girls, he, mm. would, he would marry them off younger okay. so that they would get pregnant mm. and then they couldn't like run away or be rebellious. Oh, wow. So it was a way of controlling them as well, which we'll also touch on more later. Sure. But yes, it was often underage girls too. Yeah. Which is um, where you get into the actually getting illegal part of yeah. cults. <laughs> yeah, very true. And going back to deceptively using the Bible, mm -hmm. this one prophet would take the bits and pieces of the Bible, and mm. then twist them so that they fit what he wanted to happen. Right. Like the verse that talks about children being like a quiver full of arrows and yeah. that they're blessings. Mm -hmm. That's been used as an excuse to just use women basically as breeding machines in oh, yeah. some cults sure. like to the point of unhealthiness because having 
20 babies in a row, mm -hmm. you're going to have some health issues. <laughs> yeah. no, definitely. And I mean, that is uh, one of the really unfortunate uh, things about cults is that they take these things like scripture and twist them. Mm -hmm. And now the actual truth that they twisted, the truth itself becomes scorned by people. Yeah. Right. They really give people opportunity to blaspheme God by all their uh, deception and the way they use God's good things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in the documentaries that I was watching, they're obviously secular documentaries mm -hmm. and you can really tell the hatred that people have for these things that are happening in this cult and then it just hurts when it's like no they twisted that part of scripture so badly though yeah and that's just the frustrating part of watching these and it's like no that's not what's supposed to happen yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so then it just it clouds christianity as a whole which again we'll get more into later <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so since we briefly d just touched on this, um, another common thing in cults is women being property just for like producing and growing families. Right. And I guess this can be an example of how scripture is twisted as well, because mm. they take wives submit to your husbands, yeah. which we've talked about in our marriage podcast, and we don't disagree with. No. Mm -hmm. But we do disagree with the way that they go about this and the women are property and the men's goal is just to get as many wives as he can. Yeah. No. So, yeah, we 100% affirm the scriptural truth that wives submit to their mm -hmm. uh, husbands. The husband is the head, but the husband is a good leader. Yes, he's a good leader. And that means loving and protecting his one wife, wife one. one wife, <laughs> not, not his uh, wives. There's, and like even uh, for the qualification of being an elder in that are, that's given in First Timothy 3, it said that he must be a one woman man is yeah. literally what the Greek mm -hmm. says. So to have a prophet with like 20 wives should be an automatic yeah. uh, red flag to you. And it really does show that a lot, not the entire motivation, but at least a significant portion of the motivation in these cults is power and sex. Yes, 100%. Like the one that I watched of the FLDS, mm -hmm. Warren Jeffs, who was the prophet, had 78 wives 78. by the oh. time he was put in jail. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <All right. laughs> And 24 of those wives were underage. Mm. And with this polygamy, I feel like that that always comes up, yeah. is child marriage. Mm. And using it as a way to control the women. And the women are taught you be meek and mild and don't, again, don't question anything. Which yeah. also isn't biblical because like, you and me discuss things yes. because that's how a good marriage works. <laughs> you don't just say, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to go. You listen to me no matter what you think. Don't think. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. And again, in another documentary that I watched, it was mainly driven by the men who wanted complete control and power 
over their families and their wives were just there to produce children. Right. That was... Shiny happy people for reference, right? Yes. Shiny happy people is the documentary about the Duggar family. Yes. Which is 19 kids and counting family. Just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) So because we're kind of talking along the lines of control of the family and stuff because that is a very very (laughs) very (laughs) common thing in cults like that's the main thing they're just they're just wanting control right Mm. so one way i'd say this is often how it starts is just it's things start getting stricter and stricter and stricter first it's like dress code Mm-hmm. Um, in the FLDS documentary I was watching. Oh, it's called Keep, Sweet, Pray, and Obey. Mm-hmm. Just for reference, if anyone wants to watch it. Um, they started with, they had to take patterns out of their dress code. They, mm-hmm. and they needed to take red out of their dress code red. for whatever reason. <laughs> okay. But it's just like those little things like stop wearing red. Mm. It's those little things that it's like, it doesn't really even matter. But it just shows how in control the prophet is. Right. And so uh, it's again an example of like twisting scriptural principles. Because of course we would affirm modesty as a good thing. But But then then they just take it that much farther. Yeah. So... Yeah, and they also control, like, hairstyles. You can mm-hmm. only do these certain hairstyles. Um, how they conduct themselves, being meek and mild as a woman. Right. N- never questioning anything, just going along. Yeah, so they take the application of these principles far too far, and they go yeah. way beyond mm-hmm. what Scripture actually uh, commands. Mm-hmm. And to the point where, like... Some people in this documentary said they weren't, they weren't allowed to have fun. Just hmm. the Jeff Warren Jeffs was saying, "Work hard for the p- privilege of working harder." Those are like all work no play. Exactly. All work no play makes Jack a doll boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's just that slowly taking it away more and more and more. Yeah. And I think that's why they don't really realize what's happening. Because it's like, why did they just, like, why did they just let themselves work all the time? But it's probably like a gradual takeaway. Right. And, I mean, it's what they've grown up in. It's what they know. So. Right. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah fight against something that's been so ingrained in you from child yeah exactly like ingrained in you ingrained in your parents like it goes back right Mm -hmm. so that i'm going to talk about some of the common sins that we see in cults that are caused by some of these things which we've already touched on a couple but these are just things that i've noticed um so rape and child rape Mm-hmm. I feel like is very common, like, and pedophilia too, yeah. that falls under that. Um, you can really see that with the FLDS and the polygamy and polygamy also. Yep. <laughs> there you go. There's another one. <laughs> um, 
but you can really see it with that because of the many wives thing and um, just a way of controlling. Mm. Another one, especially with polygamy and stuff, is incest. And I also noticed that in the Shiny Happy People documentary mm. within the families. Yeah. It, it popped up. And then, of course, blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> because they are taking these words of God and twisting them. Yep. Blasphemy. And making them wicked. Mm-hmm. So blasphemy and giving others opportunity to blaspheme when mm, they true. see the twisting. So another way that control is taken by the prophet mm-hmm. is through the children. Children are key and i think that's why reproduction is so encouraged yeah in cults yeah. because the minds of children are influenced the easiest right and i find that they i mean in general cults very much stick to themselves mm-hmm. but they also just teach their children within yeah. and with source material from their own cult so that they're controlling Mm -hmm. what that child is learning and being raised up in, which is why you have a bunch of people that don't, don't question the prophet. Yeah. Because they were raised that way. Right. And I mean, it's not just cults who do that. Like you can see the exact same strategy in public schools. Oh yeah. Right. Because they have their curriculum and you don't question it or, or you're made fun of. Right. So there is that fear of, a ridicule that keeps you from uh, questioning what they teach you and they they really do recognize yeah, children these are the minds you want to uh, shape because they are that is true more yeah. prone to influence and these are uh, the children who are going to grow up <laughs> to uh, take the place of these adults and so mm-hmm. they're almost breeding grounds for whatever agenda you want to give that is true you can kind of put it that way that's and, why um teachings are getting so like politically correct for lack of a better term yep and with the lgbtq plus agenda and i mean even they want to make the child their own product rather than the Mm. product of their parents even which is why for example in a gsa club at a high school like if a child joins or and they uh tell their teacher what they think they're sexual orientation is the teacher can't tell the parent mm-hmm. that's not allowed and so it's again just showing this idea we're actually going to be the ones to control this child so mm-hmm. not just cults to do that you actually um, see it in quite a few places but i think the difference too is that in cults everybody's on the same page because mm. they've been raised in this so like even mm outside influences aren't getting in whereas in like a public school they could be hearing different things like from home from school Mm -hmm. they can talk to their parents about it but in the cults it's you teach your child this you don't question it they don't question it this is what they're learning right yeah no that's right yeah and i know homeschooling is a thing (laughs) (laughs) and we are not saying that homeschooling is bad no (laughs) not at all no because you were homeschooled well just for a couple years but still yeah (laughs) homeschooling is not bad (laughs) (laughs) no it's true and i mean 
often it's said it's like well we don't want to homeschool because then my child will be different than everyone else and you know that might be part of the point <laughs> True. <laughs> just saying but uh yeah no parents absolutely they have a responsibility to teach to their child and that's not wrong and it's natural that they will pass on their values to their child and i mean christians we seek to pass on uh, christian values to other people because mm-hmm. we believe this is the truth this is what actually leads to good character and a good society so it's not homeschooling or yeah. that type of thing itself that uh we're uh, judging or s- are saying is the problem here yeah it's more the fact that the prophet is dictating everything that the children are learning to the point where they may not even be learning basic things like basic science, basic math. I was watching in the shiny happy people documentary. Mm-hmm. They had their own workbooks for homeschooling and that's how they schooled. And, but like the women only learned fractions cause that's what you use for baking. And it's just, you're missing out on a lot of basic things. Hmm. But most homeschoolers that I've met have a very comprehensive workbook or... Yes. I don't know how homeschooling works, but... <laughs> no, like they... But y- you cover everything. You, yeah, you, you get... get your basics. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the using the children for control. Right. Mm-hmm. So another common thing within cults is failed prophecies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. So like, as we've kind of mentioned, cults often do have this one figure who is their prophet Mm -hmm. and their representative and spokesperson. And they often do give prophecies. I mean, they're a prophet. (laughs) Right. And so... Or so they say. Yes. And I mean... This has been especially true in Mormonism again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the one uh, documentary you watched, uh, Keep, Sweet, Pray, and Obey, they have their prophet of Warren Jeffs and whoever it was before that. Uh, but ultimately their founder, Joseph Smith, also made some prophecies of his own, a number of which uh, did not come to pass. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there's, for example, I think... I forget the year, but he made a prophecy at one point that the scene would be wound up like the earth scene on earth, meaning Jesus is going to return within 56 years. And I think the cutoff for that day was 1891, 56 years after mm. he had said that. And of course, came and went. Yeah, came and went mm-hmm. as most predictions of when Jesus is going to return to. <laughs> it also seems that uh prophets like that like to predict the end of the world yeah because in the flds documentary that i watched he also made a prediction about the end of the world right so yeah a lot of them are related to judgment Mm -hmm. which plays into the fear again and and we'll get in and we'll get into that uh but as another example um joseph smith also prophesied one day that the temple of God would be rebuilt in Missouri, Missouri in the United States. Oh. Um, and that his own hand would be one of the ones to dedicate it. So it would be within his generation, 
he would still be alive to see it was the idea oh. of the prophecy. And of course, again, nope, fell flat, <laughs> did not happen. So those are two examples, but really we just need the one because one failed prophecy is enough to disqualify someone uh, from the category of being a true prophet of the Lord. So mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, it says, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, presumptuously so do not be alarmed. So when these prophets make these claims, they don't come to pass. No need to fear them. No need to take notice of them or regard them as mm -hmm. a prophet to heed. No, they have shown their true colors. They've spoken presumptuously. So move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've touched on this briefly a couple times already. But now we're going to dive into the fear aspect of these cults, which is heavily, heavily used Yes. for mainly control. For control, yeah. <laughs> really. Like you were talking about, fear of like the end times, the prophecies that they're making that's used mm -hmm. to control the people. In the FLDS documentary, the prophet used it to be like, hey, we all have to move here so that when the end time comes, we'll all be lifted up to heaven on this piece of earth. Yeah. So that was like to control them. Mm-hmm. Get them to do what they say. Yes. It's also used to get them to believe in the basic principles, like the fear of damnation. Right. Like, you will go to hell if you don't do what I say because I am the prophet of God. Yep. So, again, that workspace salvation comes back. Mm hmm. Comes yep. back to bite. Yep. And then fear is also a reason that people don't leave. Mm hmm. And I think that's, that's something that is easy for people to listen to these cults and be like, well, why don't the people leave? Like yeah. they're living a terrible life. Why don't they just leave? But mm. it is not that easy no. for people. Like I've seen people do interviews in these documentaries and they're like, I was afraid. Like they're afraid to go to hell. Sure. Cause that's what they've grown up knowing. And it's like, well, how do I know it's not true? Mm. And they have the fear of the unknown like, when you've been raised in this community all your life, you don't know how to work, how to how to provide for yourself, how mm. to function in a social atmosphere. You'll be lonely. Yeah, like because... Like, all those things. Yeah, because you're, like, really connected with your family. Mm -hmm. And these guts uh, I mean, it's kind of because they're different. all family well, in a polygamist cult. Often, yeah. But, no, absolutely. So, yeah, this fear of being rejected by your family is a huge thing yeah yeah family is a huge thing in a lot of these cults too and i mean again not uh just in cults but specifically in eastern cultures where mm, ancestors true. and honoring your parents are much bigger deals than they are here true yeah and, and you don't want to do, uh, bring dishonor to your family name it's one of the main obstacles in uh, bringing people from those cultures to know Jesus and to actually follow him because yeah. it usually involves rejecting uh, the values and traditions of their family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, like, even if they are living a terrible life, 
for one person to just get up and run away, which a couple people did in this documentary that I was watching. Yeah. But they they had to live with knowing that their families were still in that desperate situation, it, like that their younger sisters were being married off to older men and mm. that just this heartbreak that they had to go through. Now their family is still going through it. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes that just stops people from leaving. Right. Which is really sad. Definitely. But mm. Yeah. So now we're going to jump into the topics to kind of like bring it around to the goal of this episode, which first we're going to start with how to talk about the truth of God with a cult member. Yeah. So like if you encounter a Mormon, mm-hmm. how do you go about that? Yeah. Well, straight up, it's not easy work to, oh, yeah. <laughs> to do. That's and... why I gave you this question. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean... Uh, it will require probably some study on your part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, Because um, you want to know what these Mormons actually mm-hmm. believe. Because, again, they can use this language that sounds right in biblical, but under yeah. the surface uh, will deviate uh, quite extensively from that. So doing some study and asking questions both to discern, okay, like, well, what do you actually mean by that? So better understanding what the cult member actually believes is rather critical to the process of actually trying to bring up the true gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So they can often be defensive, right? Because they're often taught, don't question this. So it's, Mm -hmm. um, while some can be more evangelistic, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses, who would often go like door to door, knocking and trying Mm to uh, share the particular message, at the same time, when you uh, you can be blacklisted on those uh, same groups list if you are persistent in trying to shake the particular person's uh, faith in their cult because, again, the society is trying to maintain control over them. So when they see that you're trying to remove that hand of control, it can uh, result in some backlash in that way. So since... Uh, there can be particular defensiveness on the part of a cult member. I think asking uh, questions to try to expose some, you know, fault lines in their beliefs is a really helpful way of going about things rather than just telling them, bing, bang, boom. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, this is actually the truth. This is what you need to believe. So mm-hmm. asking questions, I think, is a helpful step in these conversations. So, for example, um, Jehovah. Jehovah's Witnesses will say that Jesus Christ is a God and the greatest of God's creations. Mm. So by, by while they say he's a God, though, if you ask them if they believe there is only one true God, they'll say yes. And that would be Jehovah, mm. the Father. So then and a good question you could ask is, okay, if there's only one true God, then is Jesus a true or a false God? Because you say he's a God, right? Mm. And so that's uh, just... example of a type of question you can use to expose these fault lines in their arguments and in their beliefs and i mean you may not be able to get farther than that Mm -hmm. than to make them uh, start actually thinking about these issues and try to get the gears turning so that they are willing again to question the things they have been taught strive to learn 
what their beliefs are so that you can ask good questions such as that one. Listen, engage in this way, pray obviously uh, that God will soften their hearts and uh, use your questions in a helpful way to mm-hmm. convict them of what the truth is. But again, I want to emphasize that knowing that these people have been deceived and uh, likely oppressed in some way too, it's important to uh, do all this in a spirit of meekness and in mercy, mm-hmm. right? Because kind of like Jesus has compassion on lost wandering sheep. That's the attitude we really want to approach this situation with. Probably, though, I would have harsher words for the prophet and the teacher who's the one leading them yeah. astray, right? Uh, and scripture, too, seems to have much harsher words for uh, false teachers and then those who are being deceived by them. So, and I mean, those who are being deceived are still responsible according to some way and in some cases they're deceived because they want to be and they Mm. heap up teachers for themselves who just say what they want to hear you have to exercise a spirit of discernment and is it this fear and control that's been used to brainwash uh, the person in the cult or are they truly just desiring to find something other than the truth of God because they don't like it Mm. Uh, but with cult members I do typically find that is usually the fear and control as we've yeah. talked about so yeah. again uh let's rebuke these uh, false prophets expose the lies they've told but then uh, for those who have been deceived in a spirit of mercy seek to expose these cracks in what they've been taught and mm-hmm. use it as launching pads to show them the truth of the gospel um so follow-up question yes I think some Christians would have the tendency to say, well, I'm not going to change their mind. They're not going to change my mind. Why bother? What would you say to that? Because it's not you who's responsible to change their mind, right? Yeah. Uh, Because God is still powerful because God still (laughs) works in the proclamation of his word. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, maybe you won't make progress maybe it will be you'll meet stubborn resistance that's not the point god has commanded you to to go um so go and there's actually great you know uh rest that you can have in the knowledge that it's not on you to change someone's heart and actually save them Mm. your conversation by human standards can appear to be a complete failure Mm -hmm. and god can still use that in the seed planted and the watering of the seed and he brings out the growth from that yeah yeah so true so that's what i would say yeah totally so repent of your pride (laughs) yeah (laughs) tell it like it is exactly (laughs) (laughs) so i have a couple things that i was thinking well if someone came out of a cult they could struggle with these aspects of christianity Mm -hmm. so i want to know how you think that you should approach these people struggling with these things Mm -hmm. like for example the strictness of christianity like lots of people view christianity as strict it's all these rules Mm -hmm. blah 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 (laughs) and that could bring up some trauma of like the really really strictness of the false prophet sure so with that i mean it's important that we don't want to compromise the command scripture does have oh, and that for it sure. does give like 
true religion because uh, the Bible does call Christianity a religion in James <laughs> chapter 1. Uh, and it goes along with a certain character of righteousness with it. But at the same time, the gospel isn't the righteousness you bring that earns your place with mm. God, right? So highlighting that uh, grace that saves us, that's mm. nothing that we do, that God is freely merciful and died for us, even though we are sinners and enemies. So kind of the guilt you feel about uh, the sins that uh, you committed and the fear that goes with that, there is a solution and it's not in trying to do better. Mm, it's in believing yeah. in the gracious God who gave his son for us. So really emphasizing how that works-based salvation is not true. Being like, yes, there are these morals mm-hmm. and things that you should be following as a Christian, but that's not what saves you. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Also, something I noticed was people being like, well, how can this guy be of God if he's encouraging these things? How can, how can these words be of God? So Mm -hmm. almost blaming God for what the prophet is saying. So then that could sour them. Yeah. from anything that is of god right at least claim to be of god yes yeah well, yeah no for sure and that honestly does uh, make this situation a little uh tricky and they may be very closed off as a result of that um but really just love them right show them what someone who is truly of god True. Uh, yeah can do by the power of the spirit uh show them god's true love god's true grace god's true mercy and the way you interact with him uh but also i mean this also goes in with those who leave christianity because they had a bad experience with church people there or mm-hmm. with the pastor it it does show that their faith is in people rather than mm-hmm. god which is what you expect with the cult when all yeah. the emphasis is on this one leader or one prophet yeah. uh but you have to emphasize that yeah, you know, people who claim to be of God are going to disappoint you, some of them, because they're pure charlatans. And even uh, those who would be true believers, true Christians, true people of God, they're still sinners. So, yeah. of course, they're going to disappoint you at some point and in some way. But it's important to recognize that Jesus Christ is the one who will never fail you, that he is always there, that he's perfect righteousness, perfect mercy, perfect grace, perfect love. And when we place our trust and confidence in him and in his words, not the twisted words of some human leader, but rather what he has actually said in scripture, then we can find true rest and true Mm. truth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we need to make sure that we are putting our trust in God, not in necessarily the people of god yeah absolutely because the truth isn't only true if people prove themselves worthy of it right the truth of god's word is not based on the perfection of someone's character who proclaims it because that again runs completely counter to the gospel of grace Mm -hmm. where this is truth not because you are worthy not because uh you're good and perfect but because you are a sinner whom god 
has chosen to have mercy on. Mm. Okay, yeah. All right, so with that, I think we've covered at least the baseline of things to do with cults. And I mean, we've obviously been rather selective with the ones we looked at because mm-hmm. there's a lot of cults there yeah. are, right? So it would be just mind-boggling and ridiculous to try to examine the little details of each and every one. But we mm-hmm. do hope that this overview has given you a good starting place for thinking through this issue, seeing what the common traits are, and how you can think about those things from a biblical perspective. Yeah, and different ways to approach people who have been in or are in cults, and just to have sensitivities to these things that they potentially have been experiencing. Because I have listened to quite a few true crime podcasts about cults and they do seem to have these common themes and structures so yeah this was a fun one for me to research because (laughs) it's kind of up my alley with true crime and (laughs) and putting a christian spin on it was really good too because usually i don't hear that part when i'm listening to yeah podcasts no for sure yeah So, that wraps up this episode. Yes, indeed. If you want to comment on any of our episodes or tell us what you like, what you don't like, you can head on over to there, DM us, comment on our stuff. We are at Grounds and Leaves Podcast on Instagram. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Definitely. So until next time, we are keeping you grounded in the Bible. When others leave the faith.